Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome in, Primers, to this issue 46 of DC Primetime. We are back to the run-in this week, as every show has returned. And we are talking Gotham, Supergirl, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and Arrow. Super stoked that uh, that we get to talk about all these shows once again. I felt like, man, I, I, we fell out of it until last week. Like, yeah, we like to... last week, I felt like the show actually was like our normal show. Yeah. I think the last couple of weeks we were like, what are we doing? I forget how to do our own goddamn show. Well, I think it was like about halfway through last week's episode. Like we were still a little rusty in the beginning. And then by halfway, we were like, all right, now we're back to chatting. Like, this is good. Yeah. But, okay, of course, we're, we're mixing it up because we're recording on a Saturday. And it's not even 10 a.m. yet. So, um, <laughs> oh, God, I, I love you, buddy, but I hate you. <laughs> I know. It's my <laughs> fault that we're recording this early. Uh, but introductions, as always, from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Captain Crew Cast of Pods on the Next Level Network, I am Rob Martin. And we're shaking it up another way this week as we have brought in a guest third chair for the week. And, um,. Yeah, this time around, it's not one of our friends. It's not a celebrity of any kind. Although he might be. We don't know. He he could have some kind of secret behind him. Uh, But he is a very loyal listener. He has won the opportunity to be on the podcast this week. Uh, So we welcome our third chair this week, uh, Mr. Shad Wells. Shad, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Uh, Rob, I'll let you do the, the usual thing that we do for when we bring on a new guest to the podcast. Okay. So, Shad, one of the first questions we always ask everybody that's on the show is, as far as comic books, it doesn't have to be exclusively DC, which I know is, I know what we kind of cover, but who is your favorite superhero? Easily, by and far, Green Lantern. Ah, okay. Uh, now, which one? Uh, you, are you a classic OG Hal Jordan, um, or are you more in the later kind of scope with like somebody like Jon Stewart, Kyle Rayner? Oh, I love Hal's attitude. Hal? Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, then... Here, then like I said, because I know you said you listened to last week's episode. I know we talked a lot about um, some of the potential casting options that are out there for Hal for the DCEU films. Out of any of them, does any of those jump out at you right now? I actually enjoyed Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern. I actually did, but, too. Uh, I think I'm, I'm, there's a, a large group of people out there that was like, yeah, actually, he kind of hit it dead on. I think my, uh, my, Go ahead. My, my dream casting, though. It'd be Nathan Fillion. I'd love to see that man play live action Green Lantern. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I see, but it's it's funny though because when it comes to Fillion, I still see him as Nathan Drake more than anything else from the Uncharted series. Yeah, I could see that still too. I, uh, I think it's it's a shame. I think if they did this these films like ten years ago. I mean, that would have been the number one casting choice for that, hands down. No, so, but, I, but but I agree. I mean, I think Ryan Reynolds was good as Lantern. And we know that the writing 
everything what? around it was the bad part. <laughs> yeah. It was just, but he hit the character pretty much perfectly. Yeah, so. and he oh, just yeah. has that personality to fit it. I mean, that's one of the reasons why he was so amazing in Deadpool, and it's just, you know, he he has that personality to do pretty much anything that's like when it comes to like a lighthearted character and stuff like that. But I still I still stick to mine out of all the casting we talked about last week. I Joe still McHale? think Joel McHale. Yeah. Yeah. That would be kind of fantastic. Uh, but all right. So, Shad, now out of all these shows as well, too, which is your favorite that is currently airing? Uh, Flash. Flash? Good man. Um, <laughs> so if you if you gave your mid-season report card, what would you give the front half of season three? Oh, I'd easily give it a legend. A legend? Nice. Very nice. Oh, yeah. Um, is there any specific, like, you know, like, episode or um, kind of, like, little story arc right now that has kind of been, like, the stand-up for you? Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, finally getting to see Vibe a little bit. I'm I'm waiting for that costume. I cannot wait to see just full-on Vibe in that show. Next week. Uh, so, is it next is week that we see his costume? Well, yeah, this coming week. That's actually one of the news stories we're going to talk about today. Oh, that there's sweet. pictures of him in that suit. And it looks pretty accurate to the uh, recent revival uh, that we got to see a vibe during uh, New 52. So That's going to be awesome. Very, very uh, dead on almost. I mean, the, the jacket looks almost perfect. Ex- so. Excluding, Chad, excluding Barry, do you have a favorite character on The Flash? I'm, I'm assuming Cis- Cisco. Cisco. Yeah. Easily Cisco. <laughs> With the talk of vibe, I figured that's probably what it'd be. Yeah. So that was a stupid question. Scratch that from the record. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> But yeah, um, so well, like again, thank you very much for being on the show, man. We were really pumped to be able to get you to to join us and kind of get get a chance to geek out a little bit. Like I said, you've been such a huge uh, part of our community that's that's you know starting and starting to grow. So, but so thank you very much for taking time out of your morning because I know you usually work evenings. So, <laughs> oh man, I appreciate you. I just I'm stoked to be on the show. Awesome, man. Yeah, just well, don't, don't suck. Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody, <laughs> remember if this episode's really bad, all shots. It's fault. all shots' fault. All shots. <laughs> no, we're just we're just playing around. <laughs> uh, let's get the business and let's start yes. talking the shows from this week. And let's start at the low end of the totem pole, shall we? Or we'll skip back to let's continue to talk about Star Wars episode eight, <laughs> the Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Uh, I, I I know we're we try to prevent going into this too deep, but I just saw, did you see the picture of the scroll? from last jedi which will be like it, i think it's uh you know episode eight the last jedi please don't let luke die please don't let luke die please don't let <laughs> <Yeah>. him die <laughs> yeah which, which is pretty funny no let's talk gotham uh season three to? yeah we have to <laughs> okay uh season three episode 13 titled mad city smile like you mean it on the run from Gordon and Bullock, Dwight tries to revive Jerome and in turn activates his accolades around Gotham City. Meanwhile, Selena's mom's intentions in Gotham are revealed and the power play between Penguin and Enigma escalates as Barbara's plans are set in place. So uh, as we usually do, we will go through and we'll give the episode a ranking starting from the bottom. Sidekick, hero, or legend. And uh, Shad, since you are a guest this week, we'll start with you. Uh, as far as this episode goes, what rating would you give this episode? I actually gave it a hero, a low hero, but a hero. Uh, it held my attention far better than episodes have recently, but it was still just weird. Okay. Uh, Rob, how about you? Uh, I'm actually right there with them. Uh, low hero as well. Uh, I think they did a couple things really cool here. Um, there's a lot of Grant Morrison Joker kind of poking out 
uh, from the depiction we're getting of Jerome, especially notably the cutoff face. Um, so very reminiscent of that big Joker story we got to see in the beginnings of the New 52 and uh, that Batman book series, which was fantastic. Can I say they did it well here? No, I cannot. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm, it's par for the course. I'm there with you. I'm, I'm giving it a low-end hero, mainly because of the fact that it was better than last week. Uh, so, but I don't know, like, I'm still confused as to what they're trying to do. Like we have, you know, we have Dwight who, uh, you know, as we mentioned last week is from Batman, you know, the dark Knight, which is a great tie into the movies, but I don't know. I'm still, I'm still confused as to everything that's going on. Uh, but let's talk details. Let's talk some more of some of the details about it. What are some of the issues? Like I know. A very popular consensus online. We talked about this before we started recording. That out of all the episodes this week, Gotham got the highest rating. Like IGN gave it a nine point three. Uh, IMDb gave it a nine point three. I don't get it. Uh, I, I think it's pretty obvious exactly what happened it, because uh, of Joker. Fox Fox has paid them all off. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, like it's I, I I don't know if it's maybe we're just in the mindset that we're going to be unloading Gotham. So we've just stopped caring about it. And that's one of the reasons why we're not giving it as high a ranking, but I mean, cause we're not 100% dead set on dropping this show yet. We're about 90%, but cause we're kind of hoping 95, 90, 90 99, okay. right around that point. Um, but yeah, but I mean, we're still giving these, these last two episodes a chance this past week and this coming week. And so I'm still invested, but I, I, I don't see the high rating. That this yeah. show is getting. Um, uh, well, do you want to do the synopsis real quick? Then let's just dive into this episode. And I did we'll, the synopsis. We'll... Did you? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm still not awake. <laughs> Fair. Do you want me right. to do it again? Uh, yeah, do it again for me. All right. I'll do it again. Uh, on the run from <laughs> Gordon and Bullock, Dwight tries to revive Jerome and in turn activates. Oh, yeah. You totally did. Are we good? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I'm just really not awake. I, I have like one sip of coffee so far. So Damn it, Chad. <laughs> all your fault <laughs> um but now uh so yeah i mean as far as everything's concerned with the show i think you know what for me what it was was the joker cult does not feel right in this show uh they're playing it so damn over the top it's not working like when you see any of those characters on screen they look like you know a mixture of kind of like if there was a five and dime version of hot topic that's where they all bought their costumes um, it does not look good. It, it vis- visually doesn't work. Um, and everybody is, it feels like they grabbed extras. Like, can you guys just laugh and just repeat things that we say and all do a poor job of it? Cool. You guys did a great job. Cool. Filmed. Done. That's exactly every episode or every little moment that we've seen this Joker cult. Nobody's got any charisma. Uh, I mean, and even the Dwight character, like every time he spoke, I kind of wanted to punch him in the face. I don't know why, but it was just, the actor felt like he was trying so hard to do something different, and it just felt like a retread of every that like every version of a bad Joker impression I've ever heard, and it just didn't work. It really didn't work here. Well, so the- when Jerome did come in, you're like, oh, thank God, somebody needs to kill this guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's again, I, it's we talked about it last week. This show tonally is all over the place. Like when we did the back half of season two. The show was kooky and weird, and it embraced it everywhere. Now it's kind of like, we're going to be a crime series still. We're trying to get back to this route, but we're also trying to be so kooky and over the top 
that when the two try to meet in the middle, it just doesn't ever work. Yeah. I mean, and one of the other things that really got to me about this episode, especially with the Dwight character, is, look, we all know the Joker. We all know his signature laugh. Do you have to do it every three minutes? Like, we know what it sounds like. We know that's what he does. But Joker doesn't do it, like, at the end of every sentence. Like, cut it out. We we got it. We we get what you're trying to pull. Yeah, and, I mean, it just... They made them feel like living embodiments of hyenas almost. And it was – yeah, it sounds like a great idea on on page maybe. But, yeah, the filmed aspect just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, Shad, how about you? What are some of your thoughts on on this? Am I the only one that thought Dwight wearing the face looked like a discount Michael Myers? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point too. I didn't even really you know think about the, the fact that it's the, – the face was just – like – it was it was like face off, and even Nicolas Cage did it better. It yeah. straight up looked like Michael Myers to me. Yeah, it really did, and which is you know they actually probably did a cast of uh, Cameron Monaghan's face, and it yeah it didn't work, totally didn't work. Well, not, you mentioned the good. Oh, uh, you mentioned the cult too. the The entire time I was watching that episode, it reminded me of the uh, the Joker's with a Z from Batman Beyond. Yeah, I did get a lot of thought process about that, too. I mean, like, that's kind of, like, how I looked at it. I'm like, it's kind of cool that they're kind of doing the Jokers. Um, and it's, we're getting a blend of that, like I said, with a mixture of the Grant Morrison stuff. And I'm like, this is cool. This is unique. Uh, I just don't think the execution worked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, um, the other thing that really bothered me, too, like, I, I, I get the whole what you're trying to pull, you know, by taking Jerome's face and putting it on Dwight. You're you're trying to be more that the Joker is an idea or or Jerome is an idea at this point. Uh, you know, we are all Jerome. I get it. You're a cult. That's what you're doing. But when you have Jerome actually waking up, um, the makeup for him being somebody without a face was horrible. It was almost yeah. like you just took some fake blood and put it around where his face should have been. That's exactly how it looked. And it's, I, I, you know, I don't think I've ever brought this up on the show. I do effects makeup on the side for fun and uh, primarily gore and horror stuff. And man, and I mean, I've never studied. I could do a better job of that in about five minutes because that's exactly how that looked. Because, yeah, I've worked on a zombie movie for two years, so I'm, I'm familiar with the makeup, too. And it's just that was a horrible makeup job. Yeah, that there was nothing about that that looked good. Um, I, I don't know why they bothered doing it. It was just, it was, it felt like a really poor call and a lot of laziness on, on, uh, th- that show. Yeah. You, you spent all the money on the prosthetic, um, face. Yeah. The, the whopping $3, uh, with the, uh, you know, the newspaper and a little paper mache and <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not, not good. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't know where they're going to go with this. I'm, I know that Jerome is back. I did enjoy him stapling his face back on. Yeah, uh, giving the rictus grin that way. I thought that was a really kind of cool touch on how they made made the grin actually exist. Yeah, and not, um, o- not only that, but it almost gives – it gives the character of Jerome a more psychotic feel. Yeah, um, You know, the really fact does. that he was willing to do this. Like, he's – he. He wants his face back, even if it means stapling it back on. That's psychotic. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, then, if Jerome does indeed become the Joker, which is what it looks like it's it's leaning towards, um, that step was a good step. That was a good step forward. But unfortunately, at this point, you had already taken so many steps backwards that I don't know if it's enough to fix this story. 
Uh, what is your guys' thoughts as far as Cameron Monaghan's portrayal? Because it seems like, in all honesty, this felt like a full-on Joker by the end of this episode. And it really felt like he was hardcore channeling Heath Ledger. And kind of taking actually primarily Heath Ledger, but mixing a little bit of all the other joke uh, like actors that have portrayed it. Yeah, that grin definitely looked Jack Nicholson to me. It did. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you know it, he it looks like he's channeling Heath Ledger, and I can definitely tell that. But I could see, I I could see a good mix of Ledger and Nicholson together. With this. and a little Hamill in there too, actually. Yeah, um, I, I think his portrayal of the Joker is pretty spot on. Yeah, it's actually really solid. I was actually, I would say that is the shining star of this episode. That was done wonderfully. It's what makes me, yeah. And it's what makes me almost a little bit more disappointed with the show is that you have this guy who can portray this character pretty spot on and you're not doing this story any justice for him. So I'm, I'm still holding out hope that next week is a full on Jerome as Joker character storyline. Let's forget Everything else that this show has done, forget about Enigma and you know and uh, and Penguin for a while. Let's put them to the side, focus on them for maybe five minutes, because they're really not doing anything with that right now anyway, which we'll touch on in a second. But focus next week. Hopefully, I mean it's already written, so they're going to do what they're going to do. But hopefully next week is focused on Jerome and leaves us in such a way that I'm actually anxious to keep watching when this show comes back in April, but comes back. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I think that's exactly what we're going to see next week. We're going to see a big, heavy Jerome episode. I know there's those photos that we posted last week that was him uh, at a circus kind of being the ringleader. So I think we're going to get a really, really heavy um, um, Jerome episode, and I think it's going to be purely focused on that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I am actually kind of excited because, again, we, we did say, hey, you know, last week, sidekick, this week, hero. I mean, it's it's going upwards. So um, the only, the, you know, the only place I can see it potentially going if it's a heavy focus on Cameron Monaghan is, uh, you know, high hero, maybe low tier legend if they do it right. So they have the ability to do it. And I think if they shift their focus in a strong way going into the real back half of the season, they could be OK. Yeah. Um. So some of the other uh, some of the other things that we saw in this episode too, we of course we saw a little bit further uh, forward in the Selena Kyle and her mom storyline, and then we saw a little bit more with uh, with Nigma and Penguin together as well. Uh, which one do we want to go? You know, what? I'm just going to go right into the Selena Kyle and her mom storyline uh, because this was such a waste of time, in my opinion. Uh, bringing her mom in, introducing this character, only to find out she's just a scam artist and she's scamming Bruce out of two hundred thousand dollars. So what? Like, I, he's I'm sure he's a Wayne. The Wayne family has been scammed before. This time it's just by Selena's mother. Like, you basically just used all this to set up that Selena and her mom have a broken relationship, which we kind of figured anyway because she was living on the streets. It felt to me it's kind of like a really bad way to put some drama in the uh, the Bruce Selena relationship. Yeah, yeah, I agree yep. with that. Uh, the one good thing that did come out of that though is I loved that sequence near the end of the episode with Bruce and Selena, where she's kind of lashing out at Bruce, just throwing punches at him, and it's just him blocking everything flawlessly and perfectly. And you know, it felt like this is the first time we've seen him back into that transition of becoming Batman. And, like, you were starting to see, wow, he's actually really worked on honing his combat. Like, 
and that was kind of a fun like like you know stupid grin on my face as I was watching it. I'm like, that's great because I love any time they make some like forward momentum with him because David Mazzeau is just I really love him on this show, and I really wish they would get back to a little bit more focus on him. Well, I mean, the writers did say in the beginning that even though this is Gotham and it is about Batman, they're not going to be focusing completely on Bruce becoming Batman. There's other elements of Gotham that they wanted to focus on, which they have been doing, obviously. And they've also said, hey, uh, putting anybody in costume is really dumb. We got Azrael last season. uh, You know, let's see. We got Firefly and uh, who else? Dear God, Mr. Freeze. So they, they've already gone against their, their thought process pretty heavily, and they were like, we, we'll never have a Joker on this show. Well, you're pretty damn close already. So, um, Or never give an origin for him. So it's it feels like they just don't know what they want to do, and I think it's time that they need to sit down and say, how do we want to treat the rest of this series? Do we have a plan in play? Because I'm not sure that they do. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um I mean, any other thoughts on this? I, I, if if anybody's against me on this, please like let me know. Because, but I, but I felt like the whole Selena, like I, it was almost like every time Selena was on screen with her mom, uh, it was a bathroom break for me. Yeah, like, it was an opportunity was. for me to kind of like uh, zone out for a minute until the story came back. It was a yeah. It's this season four Arrow flashback moment. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. So, uh, all right, before we close things out with Gotham, let's talk Nygma and uh, and Penguin, in which we didn't get any Nygma this week. And, and yeah, uh, I, I'm not call. wrong about that. That was right? about it. Yeah. Just the phone call at the end, yeah. Yeah. So um, I did like that we get Aaron Richards, uh, you know, a little bit more in this episode. So uh, we did get Barbara Keen back in this episode. We, we've been big fans of the Barbara moments throughout this season. Um. She but was I, almost my line of the week. Which one? Yeah, do that disco vampire thing with your hair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was a good line. Um, but yeah, it's just it's another one that um, I don't know what like I understand they're setting it up, and but again, it, it was almost like zone out moments for me this week. Like the Jerome Dwight storyline was the primary storyline this week for me. Yeah, I, I think really what we got was a lot of disjointed stories that they were like, well, we have to touch base on this because this is also things happening in the city. Um, but yeah, everything that didn't have to do with the you know Joker's cult and the return of Jerome just felt very flat. None of it felt horrendous with the exception of the Selena stuff. But, you know, the the momentum of what's been going on with Penguin and, you know, Ed has been meh. It's a shame, too, because we were all so excited at the start of the season. I'm like, yay, they're going to be palling up and make, you know, just hardcore growing the entire season. And everybody was so excited about that. And then they like took it into very odd places that just felt disjointed. Mm-hmm. And now they're quickly dismantling it. And they, they're they doing it in such a fast motion that you kind of feel like you're getting whiplash. Yeah, yeah. Um, but next week's episode is the final episode until April 24th. Which I I still don't get where the hell this break is coming from. Uh, it is like I, like we mentioned last week. The last time I've ever seen a show take a break this long was Lost, and it was in the third season of Lost. But they had a good reason. This the writer strike had happened. There's no writer strike, so I don't know what is why this break 
is coming from Gotham. Did they run out of episodes? Did they not write as many episodes this season? Or or are they trying to be the show that starts before everything else and runs after everything else? Like, I I don't know. Yeah, it might. I mean, it also could have to do with, uh, I think 24 is starting soon, so maybe they're they're clearing some space for some of the specials that they're going to be running. Uh, Maybe. So. Uh, but synopsis of next week's episode, The Gentle Art of Making Enemies. Uh, with Jerome on the loose, <clears throat> with one target in mind, Bruce and Alfred safe- Alfred's safety is compromised. Uh, I clicked on the wrong link. Bear with me. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Gordon's Uncle Frank pays him a visit, and Nigma and Penguin are forced to confront their issues face-to-face with possible deadly consequences. So somebody's going to die next week. I don't think it's going to be Nigma or Penguin or Bruce or Alfred or Jerome. It's well, I mean, considering the first episode back in April 24th is still Mad City. So they're not I don't think they're changing the moniker halfway through the season like they did last season. I think it's going to be Mad City the entire run of this season. One Uh, of the things I'm kind of curious about, though, because I have a feeling you I I don't know where you guys stand on this, but I'm pretty sure Jerome is going to be the big catalyst for the entirety of the back half of the season. And I'm really wondering how he's going to function with the Court of Owls. Um. If he's just going to be the wild card constantly for them that they don't know how to deal with. I can because see that. We, we do know that, um, you know, that Gordon's uncle is a member of the court. Uh, and I can never remember the damn actor's name, but he was raiding in Mortal Kombat Annihilations. Uh, we recently saw him in the Shannara Chronicles. Um, ah, man, it's going to drive me So nuts. far, name two things I have never seen. Yeah. So. Uh, he's a character <laughs> actor. And if you saw his face, you'd be like, yep, that guy. Um but I, I think that means we're going to get a big start of uh, the Court of Owls stuff if that's coming into play next week. So I'm really curious on where it's going to end. And it's got to be a big cliffhanger. But if the original midseason finale um, did nothing for us, I'm wondering how this one will be. Uh, it looks like next week we're also going to see the return of Ivy and Butch, too, as well, coming into this episode. So it's a stacked cast next week. Hopefully it's not stretched too thin as far as storyline goes. And uh, who knows? I mean, maybe they'll impress us with all this Jerome stuff before they, uh, yeah. you know, before they um, uh, they return. Yeah. Uh, James Remar. That's who I was thinking. So. Oh, I know James Remar. Yep. Starship Troopers. Went, yep. I just went to the well in a weird way for uh, <laughs> characters he's played. <laughs> Gotcha. I love that my first go-to for James Remar is Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> you th- I, you say Raiden, and I think... Um, Chris Lambert. Chris Lambert, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, All right, let's move on now that we've spent about 25 minutes on a show that we gave a horrible ranking. <laughs> no, about 20 minutes. So yeah. uh, that's about par for the course. Yeah. Uh, but let's move into the main DC universe, starting off with Supergirl season two, episode nine, titled Supergirl Lives. I'm reading the synopsis, Rob, so pay attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> While searching for a missing woman, Supergirl and Mon El end up on another planet where Roulette leads a slave trafficking ring. Um, worth noting, too, as well, that this was the Kevin Smith directed episode, too. Uh, so. Uh, our ranking sidekick hero or legend, Rob, we'll start with you on this one. What do you give it? Um, hmm, that's a hard call. I think I'm going to give this a high hero. Um, I, I really loved the episode and enjoyed it, but there's really nothing very special about it. Uh, I think the real highlights in this episode was just watching Win. Win was just so much fun this week. 
Um, but and I really loved watching Monel step it up too. But we've seen him already do this before, so it, it was just him kind of like, I want a costume and a cape. You know, that was about it. Um, but it was a fun episode. It was it was it was a lot of fun. But I don't think it was everything I expected it to be. Uh, Shad, how about you? Pretty much the exact same thing. <laughs> it just yeah. I right. gave it a high hero. It was it was really good, but yeah, it just didn't do anything spectacular. All right, yeah. I mean, again, we're we're across the board on this one too. Like it's, uh, it didn't blow me away. It was a lot of fun, but um, you know, we're we're see we're already seeing a reused villain in Roulette, um, and yeah, it's a, I'm I'm on the same page with both you guys mm-hmm. as well. Uh, let's talk detail of the episode. What are some of our uh, Shad, we'll start with you with this one. What are some of your favorite moments from this week's episode? It's a bunch of the name drops and like the little Easter eggy things. So like they brought up Thanagar and then we saw a freaking Dominator. Yeah. And I want to know what's up with that. Like cool. he, he, he bowed at Monel. What was that about? Yeah, that, 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 was, that left a huge question for me. And I'm like, what's happening here? Yeah, I I, I I was at the, I was on the same page with that one. I don't. I thought it was really cool to see the tie-in to uh, invasion uh, thrown into the episode, seeing the Dominator, especially on a planet with like many different aliens, uh, in which we didn't really see that many aliens. Uh, I think we saw yeah. maybe three or four different types of aliens, and none of them were in like captured. They just happened to be walking around, right. Uh, yeah, like I said, you mentioned Thanagar real quick in that chat. I, I I love actually what the real reference was because that moment happened and I was just laughing, had to stop the episode for a good five minutes. My wife is staring at me. I'm like, why are you cackling like a madman? And I'm like, you know, they're sitting down with the one alien that saves Monel and, you know, Kara as far as when they're they're kind of traipsing through the Red Planet kind of pseudo desert. Um, and it was just that moment of, you know, what, what are you eating in? You know, Monel looked over at Kara and was like, it's a Thanagarian snare beast. Um, <laughs> and that's a great throwback to Kevin Smith uh, and very specifically his old John Peters story when he was writing Superman Lives. And John Peters said, I want this giant spider in it. And I'm like, does it have to be a spider? He's like, well, what else would you call it? He's like, I don't know, Thanagarian snare beast. So really, really great story. So if you've never seen that, that the John Peters story from Kevin Smith, watch it, then rewatch that that episode because you know, I think you'll catch a couple things yeah oh man i didn't know that it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) well i mean again i mean that's what like that's one of the beauty of of kevin smith like that's why i'm always excited whenever we get an episode of anything directed by kevin smith i can't wait for him to at some point eventually hopefully direct an episode of arrow yeah uh well he did just state though he is going back to Supergirl. Uh he hasn't given an episode name but uh in Batman on Batman this week he did say uh his episode was airing this week and he's like by the way uh yeah they just tapped me to come back for another episode this season. So so we know we are getting another one. But uh I I think he did a really nice job though again this week. I, I just think it was just because there was no big plot movements really happening uh except for that little you know touch at the end of the episode where we saw those uh that alien race that disintegrated people on the slaver's moon uh and my guess those are still the durlins from dc comics the faceless aliens that shapeshift um i think that was the only big setup we got but yeah it's just a fun episode man yeah um i do like the fact that you mentioned rob a little bit earlier about how fun win was in this episode and i think um 
it's probably pretty close to my line of the week as far as uh, everything goes is when Wynn refers to himself, I'm not a red shirt. I'm not mm-hmm. a red shirt. You know, the, the obviously <laughs> Star Trek reference in that anytime anybody with a red shirt goes on an away mission, they die. So I thought yeah. that was a very funny throwaway from from Al, or from Wynn. And um, yeah, like that was one of my, again, that was pretty close to being my line of the week this week. Yeah. Actually, I'm just going to, um, you know what, I'm going to say it, that is my line of the week this week. Fair enough. I, I think one of the other good moments and standouts for him to this episode was just when he gets back from the mission, he was pretty much, hey, I, I'm not going to be, you know, Guardians kind of like ears on the street and eyes on the street after going through uh, potentially almost getting killed uh, when uh, the robbery goes bad in the beginning of the episode. But uh, him coming back at the end into Catco and saying, uh, you know what, I got this. Guardian may have this city. You know, he's like, when shot, he's got the universe. And it was just him just kind of his little celebratory <laughs> dance out of the office was great. I love his character so much. I do, too. And uh, and he he's just become such a great highlight of this show. Yeah, I was a little worried. I, I, thinking, I, go ahead. I was actually thinking last night, and I realized something funny, that uh, Wynn has kind of become Jimmy Olsen's Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Because I know one of the things that I had mentioned earlier on in the in the po- in an earlier podcast was my fear was that Wynn was becoming too uh, too much of the Cisco for Supergirl, and I don't feel that way anymore. Like I think he he definitely has the character quirks like Cisco does, but he he stands out on his own. He is his own character, which I'm really happy that they finally kind of giving him a personality of his own. Yeah. So uh, we did get a little taste. Um, of Guardian this week, which I was excited about. Uh, I wanted. I'm. I was going to say I wanted to see more, but um, I, I don't think I am. Like I think we got just enough to k- still keep the character alive in our heads, and hopefully we get to see more uh, as the as the episode as the episodes progress. So I still want to see the blue and gold. I'm waiting for yeah, it. Yeah, I think I, I think that's that's the the hope right now is uh, that we'll see that sooner rather than later. So. Is that the suit? But the suit, the suit, suit is still working for me, though. I, I'm still quite okay with it. It works. Yeah, it works. For now, it works. Uh, for now. You know, we did get to see Snapper Carr again, too, which I'm I'm liking that character. Um, especially, I, I thought it was a really cool moment when she goes in, when Kara goes in and, and you know, is standing up, for himself, standing up for herself. And when she walks out of the office, you know, he kind of cracks a smile and says, way to go, Danvers. You know, I, it was kind of like, okay, you're a hard ass, but you still got a heart. So, you know, I thought that was a nice, cool moment for uh, for Snapper Car. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was nice, and it was kind of funny too because we were just kind of like, yeah, I don't understand why they're they're focusing on Catco anymore. And actually, when this episode started and they did, I was like, huh, they proved me wrong. Good job. Yeah. So, uh, what are some of the other things about this episode that we're we're kind of passing over? Um, I what? think it. Did... Oh, go ahead, Chad. My favorite scene in the entire episode was at the, it was near the beginning, after the uh, the Guardian fight. Kara and uh, Jimmy both run up to Snapper and are both basically Peter Parker. Just oh, you know, Supergirl did this. Yeah, well, Guardian did this, and I just I laughed at that entire exchange. Yeah, uh, I think uh, between that that was actually just fantastic. But I, I think actually one of the big standouts we haven't even talked about. Man, the chemistry that's happening between Supergirl and Monel so far has been just phenomenal. They're doing such a good job building those characters in a realistic way. It doesn't feel like they're shoving them it down your throat. Um, and 
I, I'm just really happy that we're going to see more and more of that, I think. Yeah, um, I, I can see that as well. I mean, obviously, it seems like it, there's very much a feel that they're building a relationship between the two of them. Uh, very Romeo and Juliet-esque, as they've, you know, they both come from two different families that are against each other. So uh, there's definitely that feel to it. But I'm liking it. I'm liking where they're going. I think Monel, so far from what we've seen, is a good fit to this cast uh, and a good fit to this lineup. So uh, it's it's almost like I almost look at Monel as as a way for Kara to grow up because you know while she was learning the ropes and she was learning to deal with her powers, you know, recently as we saw obviously at the beginning of season one where she reveals herself and she's still new to being this hero. She now kind of has to grow up a little bit more because now she has to become the teacher and that's who she is to Monel. So I like Monel added to this because again, I think he's a good fit and I think the addition of his character progresses Kara a little bit further as well. Totally agree. Um, how about your thoughts this week for both of you guys as far as Alex and Maggie? Um, felt like a little unnecessary drama thrown in there? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, agreed. It's I still like the way they're handling their relationship between the two of them, but I feel almost like this week they they kind of felt forced to remind us that there's a, you know, a gay relationship happening between the two of them. Um, I think if they brought, if they didn't have that, I don't think we would have forgotten. Yeah. I mean, I think in all honesty, like the opening of the episode with the two of them was actually one of these just kind of very precious moments. It was just kind of cute to watch. Uh, but the, the drama angle that they threw in later on, I'm like, come on guys, we know you're going to kiss and make up before the end of the episode. Um, why throw it in there at all? I mean, I felt like we got everything we needed just to say, Hey, look, they're, they're, they're still dating in the beginning and that's fine. It's just a normal reminder for the viewers if you missed a couple episodes and it's kind of no different than whenever you pick up a comic book and it's kind of like you know that first page is uh, uh you know this is kind of what ha- has been happening and then you know by page two it's it's off to the races with whatever the current story is and you know i think these shows do a very nice job of that in the start of every episode they kind of give you that a rehash without giving you a rehash uh it's kind of like here's all of our characters this is where they're at cool moving forward um so yeah Taking showing something like that moment and then going the very polar opposite like 20 minutes later into the episode, really unnecessary. Yeah, uh, I, that's that's pretty much a good a good way to put it. Um, so I mean, if they if they went an episode and didn't focus on this, I'm fine with it. Like I know they're in a relationship. I'm okay with them being in a relationship. I, I don't need you to remind me every week that they're in. Right. So, I mean, I'd like to I'd actually like to see an episode where, you know, both Maggie and Alex are working together on something and they don't kind of throw it at us that they're in a relationship. Like, let's see how they how they they coexist and they work together outside of their relationship, because I want to see Maggie become the Maggie that we know and that, you know, she is this you know, this hotshot police officer in, in the city. And she eventually does come to help Supergirl and the team. So I, I want to see more of Maggie outside of this relationship with her and Alex. Yeah. So uh, I guess the one other thing we would mention before we wrap up Supergirl is the very end in which we, yet again, we see these people who I think we are assuming are from Warworld. Uh, at least yeah, that's what um, we're hoping. 
Yeah, like I said, as I put it before, and I know TJ and me have talked in the past, and we were like pretty damn sure that they're the Derwins from uh, that you, we've seen quite a bit in the Green Lantern universe. Uh, it would make the most sense right now, um, and uh, hence the 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 you know faceless uh, you know masks they're wearing feels like it makes the most sense still. Um, and I do hope that we're going to end up on Warworld before the end of the season. So, I mean, we know they're looking for Monel. We just don't know. Obviously, there's some kind of past with Monel that we don't know. Uh, he's familiar with the Dominators, in which they're familiar with him. Uh, and now we have these guys from, you know, from Warworld, hopefully from Warworld, that are, uh, you know, that are searching for him. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out over the course of the rest of the season. Shad, what, what's your hopes for the rest of Supergirl this season? I'm, I'm with you guys. I really want to see us go to uh, War War. And I uh, <laughs> definitely want to see... Uh, nice throwback. I had to throw that in there. I really had to throw that in there. I really want to see Mongol. If, if Mongol comes in, I'm very curious if they're going to get to play him. Yeah, it's a question is, do they go CG on that character or not? Or, uh, yeah. or are we just going to get a bruiser? Which, uh, there's something telling me in my heart where he's coming in this season. I'm really, I just feel it at this point. So, uh, now, how about your thoughts and theories on what Ben's been thinking that uh, Jeremiah Danvers is Eradicator? I'm still kind of leaning towards uh, Cyborg Superman. Just more anything out of hope, just because I love that that recent run of Supergirl where her dad is Cyborg Superman. Yeah, it was it was one of those kind of just fun retcons that worked really well. So yeah, I would love to see it too. Cool. Uh, all right, so let's wrap things up with Supergirl then and move on to uh, which the show that I know Shad has said is his favorite of the bunch. Uh, mine as well, which is why I called you a good, good man. Uh, let's talk Flash. Season uh, season three, episode 10, titled Borrowing Problems from the Future. Uh, Barry and Team Flash try to figure out a way to change the future to save Iris from her inevitable death. Uh, the only way for them to do that is to go back to the future. I loved that part of the episode. Uh, <laughs> Wally West will be suiting up as a kid as Kid Flash as he teams up with Barry. Will these guys be successful in changing the future and stop Savitar, or will the future remain unaltered by their actions? So, um, again, oh, the, oh, before we go into discussions, ranking of the episode. Sidekick, hero, or legend. I'll start this one off since you guys got to start off the other ones, and I am going legend on this one. Uh, I thought there were a ton of nice little nods to what the future of this season is going to hold, and I was so excited for all of them. And there's one other thing that I really, really loved about this episode, but we'll get to that as we go into discussions. But uh, again, I'm giving this one a a legend. Uh, Shad, how about you? Absolute legend. It oh man, it was just it was so great. All the different. The, my favorite thing was the uh, the headlines because that just gives you more to look to. I kind of thought of it almost as a second prophecy. Yeah, you know this stuff is coming in the future and we got to stop it or change it or whatever. Yeah, and that's one of the things I had mentioned about like the future for uh, this season that I'm excited for. Uh, so yeah, I'm in agreement with that. But Rob, how about you? Uh, going legend as well. Okay. Uh, I think this episode, like I said, when they said, hey, when we come back, we are shifting gears away from Flashpoint in a big, bad way. Man, they proved it. Dude, they did such an awesome job saying, here's the setup. This is what's to come. And I love the fact that it's the entire team saying, hey, we're not just trying to stop Iris's death. 
These are all the things we found out about that one time that they saw a news report where Barry sees that. That was such a great, smart move. Uh, it's not you're not staring at one thing. It, it, like I said, I, I jokingly put that photo up a couple months back on the Facebook page, kind of doing a, a you know a joke of the old Rip Hunter uh, chalkboards that we used to get um, pre uh, New Fifty Two, and uh, man, they basically did that in a news uh, newscast. I was like, that's such a great, awesome thing, and it made me so damn happy. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's that was such a cool move. It was such a great move, and I love the fact that again, you've made mention of this before, Rob. We got the whiteboard pretty much, you know, in mm-hmm. that it's the flash has such a way of and I mean, and now we're going into detail of the episode, but the, the flash, this show has such a great way of not making the audience feel stupid like you like I, we draw out this entire plan of what we have to do. But you know what? Just to make it easy, we're going to write it on the board. And they've done that so many times in the show that, like you had said, like the writers have the whiteboard when they're writing the show. And it extends into the show. And they put it out there for everybody to see and for everybody to understand. Like even when Barry went to Earth 2 or Earth – whatever Earth Supergirl was from. 38. 38. Uh, and he was explaining to Wim, to Win and James about where he comes from and how he's there. He drew it on the board. Um you know, and I think I think that's such a fantastic thing that they do with this show. Well, well, you know why? Because science. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but man. one of the things, and this is everything that has happened in the show. We'll get into details about some of the things that popped up on that they're writing on the board, the news stories and such. But I think one of my favorite things about this episode, I think, with the exception of one person, this is the first time in this show. And it, it shows such a learning curve with Barry and how far he has grown as a character. This is the first time that everything is out in the open. Nobody has yeah. any secrets. The only yeah. person who does not know is Joe, and it's because it's his daughter. It's understandable why he doesn't know. But, you know, Barry is not holding, he's not keeping anything from anyone anymore. He knows now that I need everyone's help Everybody has to be on the same page in order for this to work. So he's not keeping any secrets anymore. He's not keeping any secrets about, you know, Flashpoint about how he tried to change the future and now he's ruining things. He has grown up as a hero and as a character. And I love the fact that there are no secrets between them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually one of the, I think, the best points about this episode. I think we saw a lot of things happening, too, in this. It was... You know, uh, we, we've we're starting to see a brotherly bond between Barry and Wally now, too, which is something I've been kind of waiting for. Um, you know, Wally has been kind of, you know, he's been a background of a lot of this, but it's great. This is the first time we see him really suit up and really trying out there as far as, you know, being a straight up hero coming into the city and saying, hey, I'm Kid Flash. Um, and I love the fact that they did that. Uh, I, I think it's we're, we're actually seeing it's not just that background training. They're really actually utilizing him as a hero now for the very first time. And I do feel it, it was a little faster, a little bit more rushed than like when we saw, uh, you know, Arsenal on Arrow. Um, but I think they're, they're course correcting that mistake and they did a good job of that this week very specifically. Um, and yeah, like I said, I really am looking forward to seeing that dynamic of him actually really being a part of that family instead of that, uh, that person that still felt like the outsider. So, yeah, I think it's working well. Um, Chad, what are your summer thoughts? Some of your thoughts on that? 
Was it just me, or did uh, the wild, the uh, Kid Flash costume have a little bit of uh, Batman neck from the first Batman movie? It looked like he could barely turn his <laughs> neck. Yeah, I, I think that's one thing. I think that's the only thing I'm still a little dicey on that costume on is is that the way that they did the cowl. It doesn't feel like it moves, and it's a little it feels a little loose. Um, so yeah, I think, and it feels a little bulky. But yeah, I think you're going to see that a lot with that. Yeah, it definitely has Batman neck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I mean, you mentioned like the interactions between Wally and, and Barry now. And you're right. It is like a brotherly uh, kind of relationship between the two of them. And it's again, it's another callback to how Barry has grown up is like he realizes like this guy's here. He's got abilities. I got to teach him like he, I can't let him do this on his own. Mm-hmm. So he's he has stepped up as a mentor to Barry, which is great. Um, let's talk some of the headlines that we saw. Okay. Obviously, I, I've got them all in front of me. Okay, yeah, so. I have them too. So, um, well, I, I think I have some of them. But um, if you could have seen the smile on my face when they read off some of the headlines, because basically these headlines are determining key events that are going to happen throughout the rest of this season. So you have uh, Music Meister gets six figure book deal. Mm-hmm. Don't know what it means, but it's an obvious nod to Music Meister, who we know is coming in, and Darren Chris from another Glee alum is going to be playing the part. Uh, Central City is still recovering from Gorilla Attack. A very obvious nod to Gorilla Grodd, which we know, again, we're going to see Gorilla Grodd and Gorilla City. Uh, Killer Frost still at large, so we know they're still going to be doing more with that. The only headline that I, I'm questioning, and I'm curious as to what you guys think of it, because, I, again, this is one of those shows that I don't think they're going to mention a headline if it doesn't have some kind of meaning to the show. So every one of those headlines read means something. And this yes. is – And there is – there's one – oh, this is the last one? Um, I don't know. It's Luigi's Reopens After Murder. I don't think um, this is one he wrote on the board, but this was a headline that was in the ticker. Okay, and there's the last big one, too, which is Star Labs Museum Closes. Yes, there was that one as well. Um, can we start with that one real quick? Because it just clicked in my brain on what that means, actually. It means that they're going to have to make the museum successful. Well, no, it means it's going to close and become the Flash Museum. That's a keystone in Central City. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh, dude, I really hope this would happen. <laughs> because oh my gosh. If, if Star Labs as a museum doesn't work, and then HR is like, oh, my God, we thought about this the wrong way. Let's celebrate our hero with a museum. And that's when you start seeing, like, the Flash Museum in Central City has been such a staple for that character for such a long time. And Cecil, like a city celebrating their hero. And it says, hey, here's Captain Cold's cold gun and stuff like that. There's been so many just rogue stories that starts off with them breaking into the flash museum to steal their crap back. I mean, I wouldn't you love to see that by like, you know, season four that we, we have a flash museum. We got the, we got the goddamn hall of justice in the crossover. <laughs> I mean, it feels like we're oh. just like an inch away. And maybe that means that's where they're going to start moving the team. Like if star labs becomes the flash museum and then they start going into the hall of justice to start doing their work in star labs. Um, I can tell you right now, if I lived in Central City and I had an option of going to the Star Labs Museum or the Flash Museum, yeah, I'm going to the Flash Museum. Yeah. So you're right. I think that is a a very key thing that's that's important to the story, and that that could be what that becomes by the end of the season. That would be pretty freaking amazing. 
Um, I want to take a step back real quick, and I want to focus on something I've mentioned over the course of the past couple of podcasts, and that is my opinion on HR. And I have said before that I'm not too crazy with HR because I don't, I don't know, like his character just hasn't grown on me that much. Um, that changed this week. I am really into HR now. Um, I, I'm really liking this character. I still think that there's still something behind him that we don't know. And I think we may find out a little bit more about that next week, by the way, this episode ended. Uh, but I don't necessarily think it's evil either. I just think there might be some kind of secret that he has that he just isn't telling people. I don't think it necessarily makes him a bad guy. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. But just to, you know, again, refocus on that, I'm changing my opinion on HR. I'm actually really liking this version of Tom Cavanaugh. Yeah. So. He, he's, like I said, it was one of those things that we said back then. We just had to give it a little bit of time, see what kind of character he's going to become. And with Tom, I, I just you always know you're going to probably walk away loving him. And I loved seeing that hit, his relationship with Cisco starts tightening up in this episode, too. So um, I'm reading something online. Hey. Oh, go ahead, Chad. Next time I go to a housewarming party, too, I'm taking somebody a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fantastic, too. Especially Barry's reaction. Yeah. So I'm like, I have a pet now. <laughs> this is mine? <laughs> so um, I want to focus. I just, I just read something online about this. And um, I did mention that Luigi's reopens after murder headline. And from what I can see online, this may be a callback to a character we've already seen. Uh, I'll read this verbatim, too. Uh, this headline may actually be referring to a character we were introduced to on Arrow this season, Human Target. With the vast vault of characters that belong to DC, a restaurant-owning character called Luigi happens to be the landlord of Christopher Chance, who also goes by the name Human Target. This could be a clue that Human Target is eventually coming to the Flash in the near future. Yes, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that would be pretty interesting if that if that is the case. Again, this could just be the DC fandom reading too far into this, but uh, this could have just been a simple nod to a character in a DC universe. But if Christopher Chance does come to the Flash, that would be uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. So. so, so one of the things I really feel like we got to touch on here because we're talking about these headlines. And I'm actually really excited for this because I have a feeling every episode that they actually potentially feel like they stopped one of these things. They're going to vibe back into that actual sequence. And we're going to see all the the players know where they're at. Like we saw HR at the top of the building with a gun pointed at Savitar. The next time something that gets fixed, like when they save Killer Frost, Caitlin being ready and set up to take him down is going to be in that vibe. It's all these these new elements are going to start appearing every episode. And I think we're going to see that every week. And I love that idea that it's, we're basically building up the final sequence. We're seeing the start of it in every episode. And we're adding one new piece to the puzzle every week. And I, it's then when we get to see that play out in the final episode of this season, that is going to be an awesome moment. Yeah. Because we're basically building up to the finale piece by piece for real. And we're seeing it play out. So when we actually say, boom, plan executed – that is going to be such an awesome feeling. Yeah. Um, they are literally going to go back to the future every episode, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Something just occurred to me, too, when you said uh, HR had the gun pointed at Savitar. I just remembered only speedsters can see Savitar. 
Mm-hmm. So how is he aiming that gun at Savitar? Well, I, but Killer it, Frost. But it all... Killer Frost can freeze her. Freeze him. And then we, we saw that really quick earlier on when they, they had that uh that moment where she she uh dumped Frost on him just so everybody else could see where Savitar was for a second before he broke free, grabbed Barry and drug him through the city. So, but let's not also I, let's not also forget too that in that scene he never fired that gun. Mm-hmm. And I think it is like uh, because at that point he still could not see Savitar. Because yep. Savitar was standing there plain as day, at least to Barry, and HR never fired that gun, which I think still at this point, because of everything, it hasn't worked out yet, as Rob, as you had mentioned, Killer Frost possibly being the one to help uh, down the road. I think it's because he still could not see Savitar. Yeah. But I think it was a really smart move because it still makes you want, like, gives you that thought process. This is, I think, all three of us are on the same page. But then for the other people that maybe aren't in our camp, they're kind of like, maybe HR is bad. Like, it's a, a nice job of having some duality to these characters in these sequences. Because when you see them, they're like, okay, we stopped this event from happening. But the whole thing about this prophecy was they said, hey, you can change all these little things that may ultimately affect this still from happening. I love that idea they brought up is like, how is the future work for everybody? Then it's everybody's own theories. Nobody was set on it, but it was just HR's thoughts like, you can move this piece and this piece, and this event doesn't happen. But you could also set everything up to make sure everything still hits. Like, instead of a whiteboard, we got dominoes this episode, which worked really well. I love that visual idea of how, how everything works for them. Yeah. But I love the idea that it, it's – we think this is what the buildup is going to be and probably how it's going to happen. But you don't know if they get all those pieces right. And I love the sequence of just Barry constantly resetting up the dominoes. Mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty funny. Um, I want to focus on Plunder for a minute. Oh, okay. Um, I thought Plunder was a great character at Villain, even though he was kind of a, a throwaway a little bit. Uh, although he was the first key into changing the future because uh, I thought it was a nice little nod when they had the headline up on it and in red, Barry writes kid in front of Flash. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great nod to how they can actually potentially change the future, but not only that... Um, a great moment between Barry and Wally as well, you know, towards yeah. their their movement of student and teacher. Um, but is it just me, or is Plunder too reminiscent of Slade Wilson? Well, that or Floyd Lawton. I mean, like he, it was like a combo of both of those characters. Yeah. It felt like uh, we need a costume. Crap, grab stuff from both of them. It looks like that'll fit this guy. Um. But I think, you know, it was okay because I think this episode, that was just such a background thing. It's the idea of them changing minuscule moments in the timeline to build that future. And I think it it worked. It it worked here unlike when they did something like Tar Pit where it was just kind of like, hey, there's this meta of the loose that's causing all this chaos. And it just was this background story. This is a background story that had a purpose. So it worked here, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I can see Plunder's gun was that the gun that HR was holding in the uh, in the future? Because they bring it into they like, hey, you stole his gun. Ooh, that that I, whole thing popped up. I didn't think that. I think you're right, Chad. I think I need to go back and watch that episode this week. But yeah, I think you're actually dead on on that. I think I need to go back and rewatch this episode just because I want to rewatch this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I plan on rewatching this episode. Probably when we're done rec- as I'm editing this podcast, I will probably be rewatching this episode. Okay. So we got to talk about one other big uh, elephant in the room here. Julian joining Team Flash finally. What does everybody think about this? Loving it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I'm I'm very happy that this happened. I was very excited with the way the midseason finale ended uh, because it meant that I, I thought it had meant Julian had already joined the team. Um, but now he has officially joined the team, and I'm loving it. I, I love the new addition, and because I'm, I've his character has really grown on me, and I I think he's got a lot that he could add to the team. Uh, I I don't know if the two of you guys have watched the promo for next week's episode, which is Gypsy versus uh, Vibe, but they show a couple clips of uh, Julian now part of the team, and it's just kind of like, oh well. You guys actually could have done that job so much better if you did this, this, and this. You know, actually, there were six different ways you actually could have achieved that and not not screw up the way that you did. So I kind of love the idea that he's still the rules stickler, um, and he's very, you know, just kind of pompous about the way he that he thinks about things. I think it's going to add a fun dynamic to the team. Yeah. So I get the feeling he's going to be the anti Cisco, and I can't wait to see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's I think it's going to be fun because we're seeing you know HR and. And Cisco is starting to become friends, and I love that. Like Cisco's best friend is basically the Wells on every Earth. Um, but I think, yeah, you're going to see actually a real butting of heads between them in a very comical, like odd couple kind of way. And I think it's going to actually add something really fun to the show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's talk the end of the episode before we move on to Legends of Tomorrow, and which we see uh, the character from the future. Do we know who that is? That's Gypsy. That is Gypsy. Okay. Uh, and she is looking for HR. Or not the future. She's from a different dimension. Uh, and she is looking for HR. So I think that's going to be a very interesting dynamic. And I think, again, may shine a little light on maybe what some of the potential secret HR is, is holding behind him. Yes. Well, we know that the reason from uh, the synopsis is Gypsy is after him because uh, universe hopping is greatly forbidden on Earth-19. And uh, it is a crime punishable by death. So Gypsy is there primarily to kill him. So looking forward to seeing how that plays out, especially as people know, Gypsy later becomes a Titan. So uh, really curious to see how this is going to play out. Yep. But yeah, and the title. She has, yep. She has very much a, a vibe, vibes-like powers. So uh, it'll be a, a fun uh, combat. New, like I said, I'm just pumped to see uh Cisco suit up for the first time next week. Yeah, and it look, the title of next week's episode is Dead or Alive, which is very fitting for a bounty hunter coming mm-hmm. in. So, all right, let's talk the episode I know we've been dying to talk about other than Flash. Uh, let's talk Legends of Tomorrow, Season 2, Episode 9, titled Raiders of the Lost Art. Uh very simple synopsis. Damian Dark and Malcolm Merlin create a big apparition as they attempt to capture Rip in 1967. So uh, we'll start with... Oh, God, I don't know which one of you to start with on this one because I think you're both going to give the same rating anyway. Uh, sidekick, hero, or legend? Uh, Shad, you're the guest, so we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to give this one a Jedi Master. <laughs> uh, no, totally legend. I man, I laughed so hard this entire episode. It was so good, and all the just all the references. Uh, Rob, legend hands down. This was one of the funniest and just most fun episodes this show has ever done. And the fact that the writers probably were like, "Dude, this is just the." I I, I wish I could have been in the writers' room as they they did that episode. <laughs> Because the fact that they poured in so many lines, references, and everything, and it works so well. And I love the idea, too. If you break it down and think about it, the fact that the legends intervening is reasons for what certain things are in Star Wars in your brain. It just makes it that much better. 
I love that idea. So perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving this one a holy grail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, if you're giving it a Jedi Master, I'm giving it a holy grail. It's a legend. It's a legend by far. Uh, I will tell you right off the bat one of my favorite scenes from this entire episode because it is right out of Star Wars was the dumpster scene. <laughs> the trash compactor. The trash compactor. So it's so great. it's so funny because I was watching this episode with my mom of all people. My mom was actually over for dinner and she had she watches all these shows too, which is great because I've gotten her into all of them. And we were watching Legends together and the whole dumpster scene. I'm laughing. I have a huge smile on my face. And she's laughing because she's like, oh, my God, I get this reference. Because yeah. <laughs> she grew up with Star Wars 2 when she was younger. So just everything that came out of that scene from the trash compactor to talking to George Lucas to him, like, becoming. Oh, my God, it was such a great scene. I loved almost every minute of this episode. I, like, I might watch this after Flash. I might yeah. go back and rewatch it. Did you notice the... Uh... Did either of you notice the big reference that kind of went through the entire episode? Which one? Uh, Merlin and Dark. They're using the laser guns that they've never used before. They don't hit anything. Anything, yep. Well, they do eventually hit the Wave Rider at the end. Yeah. But yeah, they they very much treated them kind of like stormtroopers through the whole thing. But I still got to say, one of my favorite quick, just dumb moments that has nothing to do with the plot of it. It was just the elevator music playing as Malcolm Merlin and Damian Dark <laughs> yes. are heading up to the roof, and they're just po- picking their teeth with toothpicks, and it's just this perfect moment, and it's just like, I love the dynamic between these characters. They, they are such fun bad guys, and I mean, like, we didn't see Reverse Flash until almost the very bitter end of the episode, but you know what? It's fine. These two guys are so great as, as villains, and they have so much fun doing it, and they do it flawlessly. I love this. They're- their entire bromance is my favorite thing this season. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, it's been so funny. I don't know if anybody else noticed this either, but one of the other Easter eggs that I noticed too is um, Jax's wardrobe is very reminiscent to Finn in The Force Awakens from the jacket yes. that he's wearing. Uh, so that oh, was. I'm gonna go back and watch that. <laughs> so it was another like the color scheme and everything was very reminiscent to Jack uh, to Finn in uh, the Force Awakens. But one of the other things I absolutely loved about too was at one point uh, when they're trying to convince George Lucas, which I wonder if he's seen this episode. I hope so. I hope so too. I really do. Uh, you know, when they're trying to get him back into filming and you know restore Ray and and Nate's abilities. Uh, you know, Vixen tells that tells him that he's their only hope. Yeah, which is a complete throwaway line from Star Wars. Yeah, that was actually my line of the week. Oh. And I'm like, it was this, help us, George Lucas. You're our only hope. <laughs> yeah, which is so good. So, but let's talk. Let's let's break down some of the episode a little bit further because right now we're just geeking out. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously see. God, like now I'm like. Well, here, let's let's get into the, the plot line that's not directly tied into the Lucas stuff. Let's get into a little bit of uh, Dr. Stein and uh, Mick. Okay. Um, you know, following up uh, the season finale, we, we do now know that uh, it is just uh, Mick's emotions getting the better of him. But uh, I'm still not sold on that. I'm still 100% not sold on the idea that uh, that is indeed what's happening with him. Uh, I, I do think Snart is out there somewhere. We know he's coming back this season. They've been teasing it quite a bit, but um, yeah, I, I'm really I, I did like watching Stein and uh, 
and Mick together, though, because it's not a pairing that you see too common in this show. Um, but it was just designed just, you know, being a psychiatrist was just perfect, basically, for that. With the worst patient you could ever ask for. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, we see the chip in his head, and uh, we find out it hasn't been working. It was something put there by the Time Masters, and that's about it. But uh, it didn't really go anywhere. It was just we found out that Nick is just actually just having a hard time dealing with the loss of his friend. So I think it does. I think it does further progress ever so slightly the story of um, of Snart and when we're going to see a return from him. Uh, it definitely still leaves a lot of mystery as to how that's going to happen because I'm completely clueless. Um, yeah. You know, I thought we were onto something with this chip, and then it turns out this chip hasn't been working for the longest time already. Uh, so we still don't know what the case is, what's going on with Mick, and, and how Snart is going to enter the picture again. We do know that he is going to be joining the Legion of Doom at some point, um, which, let's not forget let's not forget this episode, the first mention of Legion of Doom, and of course, uh, coming from Ray, and, you know, I think it was Sarah who was like, oh, so that's what we're calling them now? Oh, it was uh, Nate that said it. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's from an old hand barbaric cartoon I used to watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, it's still a complete mystery to me how we're going to get Snart back into this picture. Uh, I do know I'm still looking forward to it, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really curious to see how that's going to play out. But uh, I think the the last interviews that have been out there, they did say that uh, he's coming back, but the version that we're going to see of Cold is coming from comes from a point in time in the future, uh, or no, in, not in the future, in the past before he actually joins up with the Legends crew. So, yeah, um, I love the interaction between. Um, Oh my god, my mind is blanking. Um, I, w- I wanted to say like Barrowman, but um, between Malcolm Merlin and Damian Dark, this episode, uh, I thought the two of them were uh, interacted very well together. And it's funny because this is another thing I mentioned to my mother is that I had the opportunity to meet both of them in Atlanta, and it's so funny to see them play these villainous characters and just know how nice of guys they are in real life. So it's it's kind of odd to uh, to watch that, but I love the interaction between the two of them in this episode. Um, yeah, I tried putting my finger on it, uh, you know, almost finding a reference because it was almost very Pulp Fiction-esque, Pulp Fiction-esque between the two of them. You know, the two of them going around with guns, Chad, as you had mentioned, laser guns that they couldn't hit anything with, uh, you know, very Stormtrooper-esque. But uh, I couldn't, I wanted to tie them into a George Lucas reference and I couldn't do it if anybody else could do it. Uh, they, they really just felt like their own thing. I mean, I, I think all the references we really got were the ones that were really in your face. Um, oh, there were a couple other think, ones, and I have a couple other ones worth mentioning, but we'll, we'll get to them by the end of this. Well, I, there was definitely one I did see that was uh, very much in the beginning when Lucas is throwing away his stuff and uh, inside of being the Spear of Destiny, but it was that motorcycle cop helmet that was bright blue that looks like something he was later going to paint a nice silver color for a THX-1138. It was the exact same design and shape. Um, uh, so I loved loved that little nod there, too. Speaking of THX-1138, uh, it's the license plate on his car. It is. Uh, oh, so you did see that? Yes, I did. Okay. And there is also, funny enough, on Nate's desk in the Wave Rider, there's a crystal skull. <laughs> I missed that one. 
So I didn't see that either. Yep. Uh, And the other one that I see here is that the scene at the end when they are fighting Damian Dark and Malcolm Merlin uh, is um, there are a lot of cars in the back, which is a nod to American Graffiti, which is also another George Lucas uh, film. So there were a ton of loving nods to um, to George Lucas in this episode. So but let's talk about Rip for a minute. Okay. Uh, obviously, he is a big focus of this episode. And, you know, how cool was it? And I I want to see if you guys are the same way. But at the end of the episode, when he steps up as Rip, as Rip once again, did you know as well as I do it was just him pretending? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, but it was a great comedic moment uh, that just played so well of him trying to use the gun and be like, shit. <laughs> it's like Gideon to fire everything yeah. he got, and it was just perfect. So I'm. How great is it? Oh, no, go ahead. How great? How great is his American accent, though? It's really it's good. Surprisingly, very good. <laughs> Normally, when you hear a lot of British actors throwing on, it's, it's very over the top, uh, and it's just it feels like they're trying just a little too hard. But man, his was great. Like he felt like an embodiment of Shaggy from Scooby-Doo in this episode. And I loved it, man. It was so damn perfect. I love when he's dealing with everything. He's like, oh, my God, I must have got some, some really bad acid. <laughs> Forgot about that line. <coughs> so uh, one of the things I, I was a little disappointed about, but not too disappointed, is I feel like we've kind of gotten away from Firestorm a little bit. Um. I don't remember the last time we've seen him. Maybe it's just because we didn't see him in this episode and we're coming back from a break. But did we see him in the mid-season finale? Uh, Well, we didn't see them in the mid-season finale because we saw them in Invasion do a lot of stuff. Yeah. You kind of have to remember the mid-season finale for their show was Invasion. So uh, we we got a lot of action from them, especially when they did the transmutation at the very end of that. That's true. So... We got a big moment there, but it, it's. I think it's also too. It's because it feels like it was so long ago that uh, not seeing them, you know, merge in an episode. You're like, huh, that's kind of odd. But it made sense though that they just were trying to focus on a couple characters because again, Nate and Ray, man, he's like, I don't want to be a heart surgeon and I want to be a yoga instructor. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. like the you know the 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 you know brotherly you know dynamic between the two of them is still one of the biggest highlights of this season absolutely adore it every time that they share time together on screen but just watching them when they realize that they can't figure they don't remember anything the way that played out was just so damn funny it's just you know the snapping of fingers is like uh time drive that thing yeah 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 yeah. and then just the schematics coming up and ray like you expect me to read this how it's like i don't know maybe one of your four phds <laughs> like four <laughs> um yeah, so I, all in all, uh, story-wise, I don't think it was incredibly driving of the, the overall story of the season. Uh, you know, we did get to see that, you know, the Legends do have the spe- the piece of the spear back and the talisman back. Um, and, you know, we got a little bit more of the Legion of Doom. I don't think it was very story-driven, but with everything that we got, all the fun and, you know, the, the Lucas nods and everything that happened with Rip, and we we do know now that the Legion of Doom does have Rip, and they're going to be taking their notes to go and, and rescue him because they know he's still alive. So that alone progresses the story further, but again, because it wasn't very story-driven, 
man, this episode was still a lot of fun, and that's why I gave it a legend. Yeah, it, it deserves it really deserves the, those uh, ratings from all three of us. Um, this show just always knows how to have a good time, and you know it's something that we talked about last week is that this show could be a episode to episode story with no overtying storyline, and it would still be as much fun as it is. And this episode, I think, was a prime example of that. Yeah, it's kind of like we brought up last week that this almost works as like that one shot comic book, and that's fine. Like I said, I, I, I would I'm more than happy with it continuing to do that. And I, we know there's a bigger story coming that's that's going to build up. We know that the the Legion of Doom is looking for the other parts of the Spear of Destiny. That's going to lead to something bigger. But you know what? If as long as they continue to do and have weird stories like this that just work on every level, I don't care what they do. It's kind of like how we were talking about Prometheus in the past. Doesn't matter who it is. Just keep doing what you're doing because it's fun. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Prometheus, let's move on to Arrow. Any final thoughts on Legends of Tomorrow before we move uh, on? One, one thing in Legends I did find kind of surprising was that they actually brought up Howard the Duck. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I was kind of really shocked. Today, yeah. It's just, that sounds really cute. Up mentioned a Marvel property. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Well, but it was also George Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but you're right. But still. Yeah. I think the first time a Marvel property is, well, is brought up. But I think it was safe, though, because at that time, I don't think Howard the Duck was not owned by Marvel any longer. Mo- no, Marvel well, did he, not have the rights to the Howard the Duck film. Yeah, that belonged to another comic company for quite some time. Yeah, and so then, uh, they're not really doing any faux pas by mentioning the Howard the Duck movie. But still, it is, kind of awesome that it was there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. And I love the fact, too, that Amaya was like, well, this one sounds cute. And she mentions Howard the Duck, and they both groaned about, you know, Ray and Nate groan about it. And I, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, hey, I kind of liked Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a horrible movie, but I still kind of liked it. So it might just be my huge childhood crush on Leah Thompson, too, though. Back to the future. Anyway, uh, so let's move forward then to the final show of the week, that being Arrow. Uh, season 5, episode 10, titled Who Are You? Worried that Prometheus may be right about him being a killer, Oliver finds a ray of hope in an apparent return of Laurel. Felicity swears revenge against Prometheus for causing Malone's death. Uh, let's go through our ranking, and Rob, we'll start with you on this one. Sidekick, hero, or legend? Oof. Um, legend, but low legend. Uh, there's there's a couple things I wasn't too happy about, but for the most part, I think this did a great job this episode. Okay. Uh, Shad, how about you? I actually went hero. I gave it a high hero, but uh, kind of the same thing as Supergirl. It was, you know, it was a great episode, but it just kind of felt par for the course. All right. Um, well, then I think this is the first time we're already different uh, as we are with the other episodes, but I'm, I'm going legend on this one. Uh, I thought this was... Um, a pretty good episode, and I, I want to say that I think one of the main reasons why I gave it a legend is the choreography in this episode was fucking amazing again. Uh, the fight scene between Oliver and Prometheus I thought was an amazing cut and an amazing fight between the two of them. So, you know, it lends again, Rob, to what we mentioned last week in that I don't care what they do with Prometheus as far as a reveal of who he is. We can never We could go never finding out who he is, and I'd be fine with it. Yeah, because he uh, is a good villain. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to bring up though, real quick with Prometheus, we heard two very distinctly different voices coming out of his character this week. Um, 
And it makes me wonder if there's more than one of them. Uh, because we did hear him talking to Black Siren earlier in the episode where it was a more calm voice that didn't sound like that normal filter that you hear whenever he's talking to Oliver. Um, do you think it's still just one guy? Do you think it's multiple people? Um, and I, I, I just didn't know what to think about that, and I wasn't sure where you guys stood. Um, I never, you know what, until you mentioned it right now, I never really put any thought into the fact that it could be more than one person. Uh, it would be an interesting twist on the story. I mean, especially considering there could be a possible time where Oliver has to fight more than one Prometheus. Um, but again, if you do that, now you're taking the, the whole the whole stance that kind of Gotham is taking with Jerome and that Prometheus is more of an idea than a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I think would I would be okay with that. But I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm fully convinced that there's more than one person. I still think it may be... I still think it may just be one person. Have, Shad, yeah, how about you? Too. Yeah, yeah. Me, I, I'm hoping it's one person. But uh, was that Michael I, Dorn? You know what? what I don't it? know. Michael Dorn. I can't find anything on IMDb or just the internet at all who's actually voicing Prometheus. But everybody seems to think it's Michael Dorn. It might be. I mean, they've done always a great job getting good voices for for their characters. And I think you're. I think I felt it too when I heard him earlier um, in the episode that it did feel a little bit like him. I'm just not quite sure. Uh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I never really thought about it. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it in the back of my head, uh, there is a familiarity familiarity to his voice, uh, and it is kind of worfish. Yeah. So I don't know. All right, so let's get to the big one. Uh, let's uh, talk uh, Laurel Lance's return. Um, so as everybody knew forever and a half, Dale, that it was actually Laurel from Earth 2. Uh, how do we think this played out this week? Uh, I, was, I was really hoping uh, the whole Earth 2 thing was just kind of to throw us off, off the trail. Because at the beginning, she starts talking about the Wave Rider and the Legends. Like, hey, maybe, maybe this is actually our Laurel. And... No, it wasn't. Yeah. But she seemed to have a lot of information about everything. Like Prometheus, it, it makes yeah. it scarier because you realize Prometheus knows everything. So now it's making that, that puzzle of who Prometheus is more interesting because they even know about the legends and what they do, um, which is kind of nuts because most people don't even know they exist. So very curious to see how that's going to play out. Yeah. Do we, do we know how she knows about the legends? Mike, uh, the guess is just Prometheus. I okay. mean, like, Prometheus broke into Star Labs to remove her from the pipeline. So the fact that he even knew where she was and where she was locked up, all these things, that uh, means he knows everything about Team Flash. He knows everything about the Legends. I mean, the question is, does he even know about, like, alternate Earths? Uh, well, he obviously knows about alternate Earths because he knows he's plucking somebody from Earth, too. Yeah. So kind of intense to think that Prometheus has that much knowledge. I think it makes him a lot scarier than he was prior. So it's a, it's going to make this, I think, a really interesting back half of this season. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it, it's, again, as you had mentioned too, Shad, it's, it's one of those things that I, I was almost, even though I already knew the truth that she was the Black Siren because it's already been confirmed, um, I still was almost, part of me was convinced she might be the real Laurel. You know, the way it, she was explaining herself in the beginning. Um, 
you know, that maybe it was a red herring that she was supposed to be, um, you know, Black Siren. But I still think it was done really well. And I'm curious if there's still going to be some kind of redemption story to her. I think there is. It felt like they were setting that up in a big way. Like, even it's kind of, uh, I was a little disappointed because I was like, you know what? I'm going to actually go over to, you know, r slash arrow over on reddit to see what people think and people really turned on this show again in this episode uh not a shock um and uh, i think because everybody's like no, no no laurel earth one that's how it's supposed to be why would they write off at a redemption angle that was a smart move you know they're bringing in some other other person is is black canary um and that one did leave a bad taste in my mouth because if this is rested this back after the season is the search for a new black canary I think it feels like they're telegraphing off to the bat that it's, nope, it's either going to be Black Siren or the original Black Canary. It just feels like a setup that you can see the end goal of very clearly, that they're going to give us a lot of misdirects, but I don't think they're misdirects that are going to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, Trying to think of, I had a thought in my head about Black Siren, and now I uh, Well, actually, the, the... This is a good question then for you guys. Where, because I I think, I don't know if you guys agree with me on that that thought process, but do you really think that this new character that they introduced in Hub City is really going to be a Black Canary for more than maybe a couple episodes? I just don't see it. So we think she might just be a temporary Black Canary? Yeah. Or somebody that just maybe has zero interest. Well, I mean, the one thing I was very curious about, too, is that we know that she has some kind of device that emits the Sonic scream like canary does so i'm wondering how she got that or she's a meta we didn't even see her use it we heard it and saw people go through the uh the, the glass uh oh, that's true glass front window of the bar so we don't even know yeah that's true i didn't even think about that too so um yeah i don't know uh it's it's an interesting thing to think about uh, you know, when we saw her at the end of the episode, I was like, oh, I guess we know who's going to be stepping in as Canary eventually. Uh, I still think it's going to be a while before we see this. Uh, be- well, I think they're going into that heavily next week uh, as the team tries to recruit her. That'd be a so pretty quick that's... turnaround, considering, like, how would they even know who she is yet? Yeah. Unless word is just getting out in between episodes that there's somebody out there with disability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they go on their way to recruit her. So I don't know. Um, I mean, the title of next week is Second Chances. So I'm assuming that does have something to do with the, the you know, Black Canary mantle. So I don't know. Um, I, I think that kind of depends. I think an answer to that question kind of depends on how we feel about Laurel becoming Black Canary again. Are we okay with somebody else taking up the mantle of Black Canary other than Laurel? Or do we want a redemption story with Laurel in which she does become Black Canary again? Shad, what's your thoughts on that? I was really hoping that after Sarah had that talk with Dark, it would alter the future and Laurel would come back. Because I really liked her as Black Canary. I did too. Um, And I think that's something that maybe is still to come. I really think that there's a high chance that it's still to come. Um, I really do not like the idea of, yet again, another Black Canary. If you think about it, we had Sarah Lance, Laurel Lance. We had uh, Artemis for a very short stint. Now they're talking about a fourth, and then whoever is going to be the fifth. This show has only been on for five seasons. We're about if, if they do this character and then bring in a redemption angle for Black Siren, or just bring the original Laurel back, that is our fifth iteration of this character in this show. 
that is way too much in this short of time. Yeah, but um, but you know what though? Like thinking about it, like I'm okay if it's Laurel. I really oh yeah, am. if it's if it's Laurel from Earth One or Earth Two, totally on board. But I don't like the idea of them. Let's find another one because it it feels like that was one of the things that that show got a lot of hate for doing. And it feels like that's not a good way to fix the situation for the fans that really kind of turn on the show. I, I really don't think that is a wise move to put anybody else in that suit that is not uh, Laurel Lance, regardless of Earth. But I, I think the, that's not a smart move. I think they really need to tread lightly on that idea. Yeah, I mean, and I've seen some feedback online, too, of people who weren't happy with Laurel as Black Canary. And I kind of disagree with that. I mean, Laurel was Black Canary in the comic book, so it's it's definitely a nod to that. Um, but these are also the same people that are butthurt that Oliver and Felicity aren't together anymore. So, you know, I, I don't know. The The fandom for this show confuses the hell out of me. Um, you know, because they ask for things that really, like, don't pertain to this character at all. Like, they want Oliver and Felicity together, you know, for Alicity. Well, that's great, but what does that have to do with that about him being Oliver Queen and Green Arrow? Like nothing. Yeah. Like uh, you're watching you're watching character. this show for the wrong reasons if that's what you want. And I think that's one of the things that Steven has come out on record at saying too, you know, that gets on his nerves as well. Like uh, again, like I hate doing it because I it's I feel like I'm I'm pandering and I feel like I'm like I'm showboating if I keep mentioning like Atlanta and being down there. But his panel in Atlanta, like, he came out against somebody who was saying, like, we don't like what this is going. And he flat out said, and this made the news, you know, across comicbook.com and things like that when he said this, is that you don't always get what you want. We're going to do what's good for the show, not for the fans. So, like, I'm okay if Laurel becomes Black Canary again. I don't care what the fans think about that. I'm a fan, too, and that's what I want. So if it's five iterations of Black Canary, but it gets back to being Laurel again, and that's where it ends, then I'm okay with the fact that there's been five Black Canaries. Sorry, I ran it for a minute. That's quite okay. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's just that, yeah, I know I'm right there with you. It's They did such a great job setting her character up the last couple seasons before they killed her. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's kind of like I want to see that continued buildup and – it felt like a, a shock factor moment for a shock factor moment and didn't realize what that could potentially do to the show or the mythos that people are there watching it for it. And I think that they're working on course correcting, but I hope they course correct in the right way. But I think for the fans that are not happy with whatever angle that they're taking it, we live in an age right now where if you want to read or find material that focuses on these characters that doesn't follow canon – there's there's fan content out like out the ass for this stuff. Just just go find it and go embrace it and just watch what they're doing and hopefully it inspires people to do something that maybe does fit your your needs. So that's all you have to do. Just go go search on Google. You'll find it. Yeah, exactly. Or just watch a thousand and one animated gifts and you can cut together your own version <laughs> of the story. Get creative. So Shad, what are your, what are your, some of your thoughts? Do you want to see Laurel take up the mantle of Black Canary again, or would you rather it in the in the long run in the end be somebody different? No, I absolutely wanted to see Laurel again. Uh, my fear, though, is that they're destroying the statue. It was meant to signify that Laurel's not coming back. I kind of feel like the show, uh, the showrunners, destroyed the statue just to kind of say, "Yeah, we're we're kind of done with Laurel." Um, 
all right. I mean, I could, yeah, I could kind of see that. I didn't read into it that much, but there's definitely always a meaning behind everything that the showrunners do on this show. Um, I mean, I took it as in like when the statue was was destroyed. This again was, you know, it was meant to signify Oliver realized he's not paying true homage to Laurel and her last words, which is you know what he said. Yeah, a mixture of that or why were, are we going to rebuild and leave a memorial statue for a character that's about to return? So it, it's it's it, there could be so many meanings to look at that with. So I, I can totally see every angle of that. I mean, all of that makes sense. We know Black Siren is locked up in Argus because Ollie still thinks that he can find a way to redeem her. So for the people out there that are like, they're, they blew their shot of a redemption story. And I'm like, it doesn't happen to happen in one episode. Um, it's one of the things I kind of always... You know, joke a little bit about for the people that don't like Superman in the DCEU films. Uh, they said always the, the idea of his character is the hero's journey. And sometimes, and most people, when they watch films, think of it's going to happen in one. And I think their idea was it for it to happen across the three Man of Steel, BBS, and then whatever Justice League is going to be. And that's the hope. That is my personal hope because I want to see them get that character right. But I think when you when you just say here and you can have everything that you want immediately, I think it takes some of the, the positivity you can get out of the story and the fact that, Hey, look how far we have come. So I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. And I really hope that they do it in a good way. Is that a dig at me, Rob? No, I know. I don't like Superman from the DCU. Oh no. I I think there's so many people that share your same thought process on it. It has zero to do with one person. I think it's, I'm really curious to see if they're going to be able to achieve this goal they've been talking about for quite some time. And I think that needs to kind of follow suit into these shows. I think the shows, it's easier to achieve because you have a lot of time to spend with these characters. Um, Movies, people expect, you know, instant gratification because that's how movies are. Here is your single story that's building maybe to something bigger, but everything that we're dealing with here and now ends when this two and a half hour, you know, block of entertainment ends. They need to achieve those things. And I think when you try to shake up that format, it makes it very difficult for people to be able to latch on to anything. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So I'm, my my curiosity now stands at like if we're not going to see a redemption story of Laurel becoming or Earth to Laurel becoming Black Canary um, and we're going to see somebody else take up the mantle. Like, what do you do now then with Black Canary? Or Black Siren. What do you do now with Earth 2 Laurel? Do you just keep her locked in Argus and hope the fans forget about her? Or do you do something different with her? So I... Uh, that's a, yeah, I have no idea. With this show, it's hard to tell. It, you, you hope they learn their lessons, and I hope that's not the case. Yeah. That's all I can think of at this point. Yeah. Uh, we did get mentioned, too, to a couple other things that happened in this episode outside of the Laurel storyline. Uh, we did get mentioned. We do know that now that uh, Quentin Lance is in rehab which is a good explanation as to why we haven't seen him for a while. So I think that was something, at least was that was on my mind. I didn't know where his character was at. So I'm happy that we finally got something explaining to that. And when his character returns, hopefully we see uh, a stronger Quentin Lance coming back. Because I love Paul Blackthorne's character. I love the character of Quentin Lance in this. He's added so much emotion, so I do hope we get to see him return uh, somewhat soon to the, um, to the show. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Curtis, because Curtis seems to be going through something in this episode as well. So I'm curious what you guys' thoughts are to, I guess, I don't want to say a change, but he's definitely going through some kind of emotional outbursts in this episode. 
Yeah, and I think rightfully so. Um, <laughs> he has probably lost the most out of everybody in this season so far. Um, as far as uh, his marriage, uh, he's been, <laughs> as he put it in that quick moment was between him and Renee, it's just stabbed, beaten to a pulp, shot in a coma, and lost. And he, what he got for it was, well, that continues to happen, and he lost his marriage in the process. Yeah. So um, the fact that he's starting to embrace the techie side of him, and I'm like, all right, it's time. Get, let's, it's time to get those T-spheres out there. Let's do it. Let's make this final transition into the real Mr. Terrific that we expect. So I think this is, uh, this is the right moment, and I think this is the catalyst to see that happen. Uh, we, we do know from, um, from speaking to Echo that the costume that he has is not the finalized version yet. Uh, we are still going to see another version of that costume. So do we think this emotional change in him and him kind of going through what he's going through now, uh, do we think this is going to make him step up to be a uh, a better Mr. Terrific and even see the new costume? I think so. I, I hope so. Yeah, because I think um, – because uh, I saw an article online, and I wish I would have saved it, um, about him becoming – Actually, they said like Mr. Terrific will actually become terrific. So with terrific in parentheses, so I th- or in quotation. So I think, I think there's definitely a new Curtis um, coming uh, down the line. So it'll just be uh, a question as to when. And I think this is the first step as to when we're we're going to see that. So, uh, what are some other things about this episode that we um, we have to mention? I know we still have to talk um, at least a minute or two about. Um, uh, about Diggle and um, uh, Adrian, Chase Adrian and the interaction yeah. between those two. Uh, and we have to talk a little bit about Felicity because Felicity is definitely going through some shit as well. Yeah. Uh, I think as far as Diggle and Adrian Chase, uh, the fact that Adrian, you're seeing a little bit of vigilante poke out now, uh, I think is becoming more and more interesting. The fact that he uh, is doing Ollie this solid makes me really feel that he does not know Ollie is Green Arrow at this point. I, I, there, I don't think there's any question in my mind of that. Um, but I love the idea that he really looked at the situation with Malone being, being killed was, hey, um, the fact that he was tied up and set up to look like Prometheus, it looks really bad for the city, and they're going to panic if they think Prometheus was one of the people on you know the police force. If they find out that Green Arrow killed the guy, it's going to cause chaos, and that's not good either. So... It's the fact that I think he is a very intelligent, very, very smart character, but I love the fact that he was proved that he was kind of a badass this week when uh, he basically shut down the general that was trying to haul Diggle away and have him killed. Uh, The way that that went down was kind of awesome, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this character is going to evolve for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think it's it's safe to say that when the time comes and and identities are revealed, or even if they're not... um, you know, a question that was linger has been lingering for a while as to where Adrian Chase falls on the side of you know um, ally or enemy, and I think it's it's starting to shine more and more that he will definitely be an ally in this fight. So he may not conform to the rest of Team Arrow, but he will still definitely be an ally with this. Yeah, yeah, ally, not a teammate. Yeah, I think so. that's a good that's a good way to put it. Um, Felicity. Uh, yeah. Do you want to take this one? (laughs) Uh, I'll be honest. I was kind of on Felicity's side the whole time. Just she's trying to kill everybody. Why are you trying to redeem her? 
And you know, he's like, this is my chance to save Laurel. This is my chance to save Laurel. And the whole time I'm thinking, that's not your Laurel. Yeah, so I, just, really... I don't know. It just seemed to kind of undercut Laurel's, like the real, well, Earth One Laurel's memory. To yeah. Me. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I think she really, you know, kind of stated what everybody was thinking. Um, and I love the fact that she used her brain a little bit. She she went a little rogue with on the team and was kind of like, boom, nanites. See, look, I'm thinking ahead already. The fact that she she's actually actively doing some stuff, it's not just a traditional quirky Felicity we're seeing. We're now starting to see a very intelligent Felicity, but with the team's best interest still, she may not be giving them the full story, but the fact that she's calling a couple shots here and there, I thought it was kind of cool to see her step up a little bit. Yeah, um, we definitely know she's got a darker side coming, uh, and I think this was the first step towards that. Again, like the same thing with Curtis. Like, we know Curtis is going to be going through a transition. We kind of saw the first steps of that this episode, and I think that's the same thing with Felicity. I think we know she's going to have, like, a little bit of a darker side, so I think this is the beginning of that. Do we think we're going to see... um, And, Rob, I think this was something that you had mentioned earlier on in an earlier podcast... Uh, do we think we're going to see her go back to almost like her emo kind of phase? Like the hacker emo phase um, that she went through? I think we're going to see her kind of go back into that hacker attitude, but I don't think we're going to see dark Felicity again or goth Felicity. I think that's kind of done. I, I, they, they did an episode about that in the past. They're like, nope, that's in the past. That's not who I am okay. anymore. So I don't think we're going to see her step that far backwards. Okay. Uh, I think uh, I can only think of one more thing worth mentioning before we we move on with uh-huh. news uh and that is the fact that we got the introduction of a new character well sort of an introduction to a character we've seen a younger version of this character before but we get to see talia al ghul in a flashback this week yes um so do we think that this is something that is going to remain strictly in flashbacks or do we think talia is going to come into the present day at some point I think we may see her in present day. I feel like they're going to kind of need to, and I don't think they can do a lot with it in the flashbacks. Because it felt really like that when we dealt with, uh, with you know, Raish al Ghul last season, or a couple seasons back, that was his first meeting with, with, with Raish. Um, it would kind of feel a little weird that he knew Talia well in the past before knew, knowing Raish was a thing. <laughs> it seems a little, it, the timeline on that feels a little bizarre, so... We'll see. It's it's a big wait and see, but I'm kind of excited the fact that we're going to see that yeah. character. So um, I think it's already been said that we're not going to see a Talia and Nessa on screen together um, at right. any point. So which is kind of a bummer because I like uh, Katrina Law's version of Nessa Al Ghul too. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where they're going to see. But again, we mentioned next week's episode titled Second Chances," and the synopsis is Talia Al Ghul helps Oliver take down Kovar. So we know it's going to be at least for next week's episode, strictly in the flashbacks, uh, and it's going to be with her helping Oliver in Russia. So Yeah, and this is also that tie, too, for Prometheus, because it seemed very clearly like that there was a woman in Russia that helped train Oliver, and uh, especially there was a couple episodes back when we see Prometheus do the his Olympic jump of, over Oliver's head in perfect spin with the 9.5 landing with all judges stating that. <laughs> That he kind of, Ollie stops and is like, that was taught to me by a woman in Russia. And, well, we know who that woman is. So that means maybe Prometheus has heavy ties to Talia. Yeah. So. Uh, any final thoughts on this episode of Arrow before we wrap things up with the recaps? 
No, I there, was one, there was one minor throwaway line I thought was kind of funny. Uh, in the Diggle storyline, when the general says that he'll be back with the president's signature, and uh, Chase says, oh, that's great. I've always wanted her yeah. autograph. So the president in, versus a woman. Mm-hmm. I really hope it's Earth One Linda Carter. Uh, that would be really damn cool. That would be really damn cool. I would love well, to see that. Well, we do know whoever it is is a new president because the yeah, president the previous president died, died in invasion. Yeah, so we do yeah. know who yeah. oh, we, right. we do know whoever this president is. She is a new president to this universe. So, uh, well, we saw her. We saw her at the end of the uh, crossover. Oh, I forgot about that. Because the president yeah. actually gave gave everybody their kind of honor. That's universe. right. So we do know it's not Linda Carter. Yeah, so unfortunately, oh, yeah, <laughs> yep. Almost forgot about that again. Invasion feels like it was an eon I know. ago. So. I feel like I need to rewatch it. Yeah. So news, because dear God, I think we're getting close to two. We're, hour, like we're over the two hour. No, mark, we're at an hour and forty three. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, that's so, not too bad. Uh, actually, probably a little bit. Probably like an hour and forty two, because there's a good minute of this recording that I have to edit out. Ignore this part, right listeners. Damn it, Chad. So, but, yeah. (laughs) All right. So, as far as news this week, there's really not a lot of anything. Um, There was just a lot of kind of like, hey, here's a promo for next week. Uh, Here's some synopsis for some shows upcoming, which we usually try not to touch base on too much, aside from the ones we say what's to come for next week. So, the only thing really worthwhile to talk about is uh, a couple of things in the movie universe. We did mention earlier today, too, that... uh, that vibe will be suiting up in Flash next week. If you, uh, I, I would actually say, I don't know if I'm going to post that up on our page because uh, I think when that actually you see that moment, it's going to be better than seeing it early in advance because I think it's going to be a large geek out scene. You already posted it, so um, did I yeah. post that one? <laughs> Damn it! Oh well, ignore my thoughts, people. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Aside from that, we uh, we do know. Uh, the Valentine's Day episode of Supergirl is going to focus heavily on Maggie and Alex's romance. Oh, of course. And that is, yep, so something to be prepared for coming up soon. We do have official confirmation as well that Black Flash is 100% confirmed for Legends of Tomorrow, um, which is exactly as we expected that we would see him both there and uh, Flash this season. So we know he's making multiple appearances, so that is now checking off the that mark for Legends, so... Kind of curious to see how that's going to play off, and I think it'd be kind of cool if we got to see that tie up where with uh, Legends now following Flash, if we saw Black Flash in the Flash episode, then in Legends, it would be kind of cool to see. Uh, the last things to really talk about this week, though, is we look like we got more confirmation that John Cleese is indeed joining the DCEU. Uh, there is a shot of him getting ready to do a Q&A in uh, Massachusetts just the other week. And uh, at his table is three books, if you zoom in on that shot. And it's a picture of him with Batman Noir, Justice League Origin, and it looks like Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns sitting directly next to him. So I think all signs are definitely pointing yes. The only thing is we have zero idea who he could potentially be playing at this time. Uh, The last news story for this week is just a little bit of more of a timeline as far as how long Jason Momoa has known about um, he's going to be playing Aquaman. And he said he had to keep it a secret for almost five years. He was originally going up for the role for Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. He had actually even met and screen tested with Chris Pratt. And then uh, then rumors surfaced around uh, later that year that he was actually playing Doomsday or Martian Manhunter in Batman versus Superman. 
And then it, the news actually kind of came out in 2014 that he was playing the character. But he said he knew well back in early 2013 that that was indeed what was going to happen. Because uh, he declined the role knowing what was going to be happening with his upcoming future in DC. So, so we could have had a very different future. But it's kind of cool to see how that breaks down. And there's a fun little video attached to that, and that's up on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And then it was just uh, something from Jimmy Kimmel yeah. Live. So. Uh, recommendations. Um, I'll let you, uh, Rob, I'll let you start it off. Uh, for me, I just wanted to bring up really quickly that if you are somebody that purchases uh, your films via Amazon or iTunes, you can now watch Justice League Dark. Uh, but if you are waiting a little bit, and if you're somebody that still loves uh, DVD or Blu-ray, uh, February 7th it hits, but uh, I had a chance to watch the first 20-30 minutes of the film, and it is fantastic. We're also seeing uh, Matt Ryan reprise the role of um, you know John Constantine in that. And this is coming ahead of uh, his actual CWC animated series. I think it's starting later this year. So, But yeah, definitely check it out if you, uh, if you watch your stuff digitally. It seems like it's going to be pretty damn awesome. Uh, Shad, anything that you would like to recommend to any of our listeners? I know we didn't, I don't think we really prepped you for this or not beforehand. Uh, Injustice. You got Injustice 2 getting ready to come out in May. Uh, play the first one. The storyline, you wouldn't think a story mode in a video, in a uh, fighting game would be that great, but the story is amazing. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that too. I picked it up, and I think you can pick it up relatively cheap now too. Uh, because it's been out for long enough, and I think you can get the full like game of the year version. I think I got it for like five bucks on PlayStation Network. Yeah, yeah. I oh, think uh, if you have a current gen system, PS4 is the only way to play uh, Injustice um, as far as current gen. And then if not, you have to go back to Xbox 360, PS3 to play the original version. So, uh, so yeah, so yeah, you can get that really relatively cheaply. Just jump on Amazon, jump uh, jump on any of the the those services storefronts but yeah i totally agree one of the best uh storylines i've ever seen in a video game. and i'm looking forward to everything that they've added for just for injustice too i think the game's gonna look amazing yeah we got uh i think a quick shot uh this week of uh robin in action and a little bit of his uh fighting style so uh my recommendation this week uh because it's something i have not read myself but i'm gonna recommend it anyway because john cleese is reading it uh, and that's the Batman Noir graphic novel, Black Mirror. Uh, I'm a fan. Anytime they do artwork in black and white like that, so I, I love the look of artwork like that. So uh, this is one I'm personally going to be checking out myself recently uh, or sometime in the near future. So uh, Black, Man, uh, black Mirror, Batman Noir graphic novel from DC Comics, which you can get on Comixology or pick up on Amazon as well, too. So that's going to be my recommendation for the week. So, uh, cheap plugs, and then we will uh, we will get out of here. So I know we're recording on a Saturday night, but you're still not going to be hearing this until Saturday, uh, Sunday night, Monday morning, because um, we want to we don't want to throw your schedules off too much. So we've recorded this on Saturday, but you're still hearing this at normal time. Uh, but uh, from uh, you can check out some of my other podcast or my other podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network, the Showcast Spotlight, in which we do celebrity interviews as such. Uh, and I do have another podcast I'm going to be starting soon. I've been saying that for months, and it's been dragged out, but I'll get to it eventually. But you can check out this that podcast, this podcast, and all other podcasts, nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, and, of course, uh, the, fa- the Facebook page for this page, uh, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Shad, how about you? What's going on in your neck of the woods? 
I live in Podunk. I got nothing going on. (laughs) (laughs) Just playing Injustice, watching shows, listening to podcasts and work, I would assume. Pretty much. (laughs) Uh, Well, as for me, uh, you can always find me also at uh, nextlevelradioonline.com. I have my other show, which is a geek culture podcast. It's a monthly show called the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods. That is uh, usually anywhere from four to seven people sometimes. Now we're kind of making that bigger and bigger. I feel like I need to upgrade the equipment very soon. Uh, but that is uh, a uh, the episode for January, kind of looking back at the month and uh, digging up some fun pop culture topics to talk about. I know Ben will be there this week. So make sure to check out that episode. It should be up probably by Wednesday, I'm hoping. so. And uh, oh, uh, also too for next week, uh, this show will be one day late. We will be recording on a Monday night because me and my wife will be away, and uh, we will have another guest joining us uh, at that time. Uh, Jackson Howard will be joining us that uh, that day. He was the other contest winner for the show. And uh, also make sure everybody to get out there check out George Shaw Music. Uh, well, George Shaw's music, which is at georgeshawmusic.com. And you can check out all of the tunes that you hear on the show in the beginning and the end of the show every week. Uh, yeah, recording a day late next week. I could be a total dick and be like, no, I'm not allowing it. But for the past couple, for you, the past couple you, of weeks, you, 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 it's been my fault. We've been recording late. So now it's my I, fault. I, so it's all I good. I can't say that at all. Uh, well, you, you and Jax can do the show and I can have a week off. So, hey. That, no, I've had enough weeks off recently. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, Chad, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, we're glad that... Uh, Oh, man. So we hope you had a good time. We hope you had fun with this. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, happily, man. If you ever want to come back on, just give us a shout. Uh, like I said, you, you, you've got our contact info and uh, hit us up. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for being such a, a you know leading member of the community and helping build this. Uh, um, we're really happy that more and more people are starting to engage and, and you know read some of the articles we're posting and just uh, have fun spitting theories out there. It's It's really nice to see. And you see, Aki, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're yeah. a prime example that for all of our other listeners out there who don't post on the page and don't interact, like, like that's your prerogative if you don't want to do it. But look, if you do it, you might end up on the show one day. So You might get a Funko Pop. That's man. true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't, th- I don't think we presents, mentioned man. that, but we, to a yeah. lot of the loyal listeners and a lot of the people that post on, like, on the page and stuff and have been really active in the community, Rob and I actually... Uh, you know, we sent out Christmas gifts to people. We sent out like little Funko Pops to, to some of our most loyal listeners. Yeah. And uh, we hope everybody got a unique one. Nobody got a duplicate. Everybody got something yeah, different. So, so. And we're kind of hoping, you know, next Christmas comes around. It'll be unfortunate for us that we'll have to shell out even more money. But hopefully we'll get to send out even more Pops because we'll have even more loyal, loyal people. Or or you guys could send us Christmas <laughs> we'll, ch- we'll change it up every That's year. So. Yeah, next year's for us. <laughs> so. so, yeah. We give every week, goddammit. We want to get it. <laughs> yeah, but Shad, thanks. Yeah, Shad, thanks again for joining us thanks, for, for coming on. This was out. Uh, we're glad you. Had, we're glad you enjoyed it. Oh man, I had so much fun. Thanks for having yeah, me. Guys. All right, uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this issue of DC Primetime. Of course, we thank you for listening. We thank you for contributing to the community. Uh, be sure and watch the shows for the week. And until then, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. See you guys. <laughs>